Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in to Step Into Your Sunshine today. I, Rachel Kudron, am your host. I am the owner of Kudron's Curiosities Etsy Boutique and RC Copywriting. Today, I have a very special treat for you. One of the kindest souls I have ever met, and I would love for her to introduce herself. Hello, everyone. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. My name's Kalia Papadopoulos. I am the founder of Books Galore, where I nurture a love of reading through connections. Thank you so much. To start off the episode today, Kalia, I'm going to ask you, what were some of the defining moments in your life that shaped who you are? I remember, actually, um, I was at secondary school in the UK, and I had to write an essay on Macbeth. And I kept trying and trying, but the teacher was never happy with it. So she said, well, the way you're writing, my dear, you won't amount to much, will you? So I thought, oh, if I ever needed encouragement, I shouldn't be coming to you. I mean, that's not the way teachers should be encouraging their students. So that defined the thinking, actually, I know how to write and I'll show you. Um, another moment was um, when um, I, I gained a lot of weight in, in my teenage years and someone said do you like looking like that and at that point that was a trigger point for me and I thought no I don't like looking like this but I don't have any way out uh, this is a tricky warning to anyone with regards to being overweight or any issues regarding their appearance I have an it's a food addiction and when I get very stressed I eat I can't help it so that moment I felt really down and I just couldn't get out of that moment for a very long time. And I did. And I did lose weight. And I did feel good about myself. But sadly, I had a bereavement in my family. My my mum sadly passed away five years ago. And all those feelings resurfaced with, with that trigger point. So they're definitely two defining moments in my life. Thank you for being open and honest about those. And the first one I would like to dive into a little bit more, where you had teachers basically doubting your ability to be successful. And I'm open the field kind of to our listeners and ask them, have you had this experience as well? Because it is one that I have had as well, but I was a little bit older. I was actually in college, university at the time, and it was a teacher I really admired. It was he was fantastic at being a teacher. He was a little bit intimidating, but also you wanted to inspire, uh, to, you, want, you were inspired to be like him. And throughout my college and university years, I had a really difficult time. There was several different things going on in my life. Um, during this time, uh, I had a severely traumatic experience involving one of my family members. I had my mom went through her first round of brain surgery. I had, I met who is my husband now, but he had, he was foreign. He was international. He came and studied at my university and then he had to leave. And it was every year something major and defining in my life happened when I was in university. And it was so difficult for me to continue to remain focused on my studies while also dealing with all of the things going on in my life. And 
I would try so hard because I was going to school to become a teacher. That's why he was such an inspiration to me because I wanted to be like him when I was in the field. And I remember one day after school and I was really, really struggling that semester. And my mom had had um, her brain surgery. I was completely disconnected and I had to write multiple papers and do all of these assignments. And I sort of felt like somebody else was writing them for me. I was so disengaged from what I was doing because of all the trauma and life going on around me. And he asked me to stay after class. So I did. And he sat me down and basically he told me in a very direct kind of way, I'm not sure teaching's for you. And he's like, I don't know if you have the dedication or the focus to become a teacher. And I walked out of there. I didn't let him see, but I walked out of there and I was crushed. I went home and I bawled and I began to question every decision that I had made for the last several years, because from the time I was about 16, I wanted to be a teacher. I did everything that I could possibly do to get me in alignment to going to become a teacher. I knew it was part of me. Working with children, it was what I wanted to do. And for someone who I put on a pedestal to tell me that I wasn't going to be a teacher, I didn't have that capacity, that was heartbreaking. And it made me question my my quest to become a teacher. And after that, I had a little chat with myself after I was feeling down and I got past it. And I was like, no, you're not going to let this define you. You're going to use it as fuel to become the most prominent teacher that he's ever seen. And life would have it that when it was my year to do um, my case study in the schools, I would be partnered with his child. It was just happenstance that I ended up being in the classroom where his child was, like at the at that school, then partnered in that classroom. It was like the universe was at work, just showing him that I was capable. And I remember afterwards, he came to me and he congratulated me on how far I had come and that he was very impressed. And then later on, about a year later, when I was getting my master's and teaching English as a second language, he was just totally flabbergasted. But he, why he was my inspiration, he became my fuel to show him again and again and again that I was more capable than he thought I was. Well. Yeah. For you, with your teacher, did it become your fuel? To be honest, actually, it didn't affect me because I knew I was already good at my English. So just to, I just thought she was just being miserable. (laughs) And I thought, well, you can say what you think, but I know what I'm, I I know I'm capable of writing. So I just, I didn't answer back. I didn't give her any feedback. I just went on and did my thing. But what, when you described your teacher, it actually evoked another memory in, in me, right, my dear which I think if it's evoked something, I want to quickly share it because it's obviously very apt and needs to come out. So when you said, your teacher said to you, you he didn't think you would excel in that field of being a teacher. 
yeah? Well, in the summers of 98 and 99, I worked at um, summer camps in Massachusetts in the US. Uh, um, uh, yeah, so, yeah. And I remember one of the camp leaders said to me, took me to one side in the second summer that I was there. It wasn't the original camp leader, it was another one who I felt didn't really like me and took me to one side and gave me a review like she did with everyone at the end of each season. And I was the only one she said to, I don't think this is suited to you. I really don't think you should come back and you're not suited to working with children. I really don't think you can do this. Because, and I felt that it was, it was personal. It came across that way. So at that moment, I was totally crushed. I thought, I am doing my utmost best here. I absolutely love caring for children. I am a nurturing person. So for someone to crush that, it took me a very, very long time to go over that. But in the end, it did fuel me. I don't know where she is right now, but if she could see me now, then she'll know that I was very successful in what I've done because I've worked as a teaching assistant in the UK. for I did for over 13 years. I made an impact on many children's life. And I also became a senior youth worker. So yes. for someone to say that I wouldn't succeed... I thought to myself, I actually right now talking to you, although it doesn't make me emotional, I feel the pain that I felt nearly 30 years ago. Yes, it brings back that memory and it puts you back in that place. I haven't thought about that in a very, very, very long time. So it's obviously in alignment with us, because I'm very much like that as well, that it had to come out. And... People, I don't know if they fully realise when they make comments like that, teachers, lecturers, people in authority, so to speak, they realise, I don't know if they fully realise the impact they can make on someone and how that can affect their life going forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think this is kind of a call out to all of those that are listening. If you're a teacher, if you're in a position where you mentor anyone of any type, then to be more cognizant of the words that you're using with your the people that you're mentoring, with your students, with your employees, and be intentional about lifting them up and empowering them. And even if you find that they aren't the right fit for the job, then be careful about how you break that to them because that might be the only passion that they have in their life that might be what they have aspired to for years and you're crushing everything that they've ever wanted I was on the other side of that Rachel when I was at college but not university as in the UK colleges you know um, like A levels and other courses and I did very well and I was asked by my lecturer to mentor students, older students in a further education college. So I went for my first session and there was a group of 10 women and they didn't let me finish. They came up to me face to face and told me that I wasn't any good at what I was doing and I should get out. Wow. They were very aggressive towards me. I had completed the course. Um, I don't know if it was jealousy, if it got around the college that I got a distinction. I don't know. Who knows? So I then went to my lecturer and I said to him, Ian, I can't carry on. Oh, but Kelly, you're so amazing. I said, sorry, but if I'm going to be faced with that every day, that's one stress in my life I do not need. So I walked away. Because I had a group of women 
for whatever reason and what, whatever was going on in their mind, because I just don't know, because I didn't re- I didn't know them, they saw me as a threat. I saw them as people that I could help and give them love and guide, because that's what I love to do even now. And I knew that I would be gr- make a great mentor at the time in the right place. But they weren't my right students because they had other issues, if that makes sense to people listening and to you, my dear. Um, for a very long time, that left a very bitter taste in my mouth and I felt very down that I had that. But because I'm always, well, now, actually, I, I, I believe in alignment and I believe in what's for you won't go by you. I felt that was a lesson that mm. I had to learn that not everyone will be receptive to my ways, so to speak. Yeah. But, and I do love to mentor people and guide people, but I suppose you've got to find the right fit. But at that time, and we're going back actually, yeah, good 20, 25 years ago now. So this is all quite a long time ago. I'll never forget that. I will never forget that actually, because that was a defining moment when she was coming face to face with me. Yes, I think you touched on a topic that you haven't quite said, but is very prominent is workplace workplace bullying for women. And what I love about the MIB community, the moms and business community, is that from the foundation, it's about empowerment and uplifting and supporting other women. And that's really what drawed me into the community to begin with. Yet going back to what you were saying is this is also a very real thing where women feel like they are um, experiencing a threat from other women. And rather than embracing them and saying, oh, I can learn from you. I didn't know how to do this. I, that's amazing that you have the skill set they push them away because they feel like they're a threat. And then, or they come, they ignore you. They come and say nasty things to you. They manipulate you behind your back. They talk behind your back and they take every chance and opportunity that they have to bring you down. And I think this is important to highlight because it does exist in our society. It does happen. And would you have any advice for people that have experienced workplace bullying? I would like to say, my dear, it got worse after that for me as well, a whole lot worse. Um, the bullying that took place in my last job before I the care, became a carer was so heightened that I put up with that for 13 years. So my word of advice to women out there, don't put up with it. Please, if I can inspire you, if I can leave a legacy in this world when my time is up, I want to leave a legacy is that do not tolerate it. It's unacceptable, uncalled for and not needed. If there are other people out there that are hurting, because bullies are people that are hurting, they they need to be dealt with and they need to get the help. As as a victim of bullying, I, I suffered for far too long. And looking back, I wish I hadn't, but that's a lesson I've learned. And that's something I have to live with every day, that I felt that I let myself down. But my my advice to ladies out there, do not put up with it. Log it and complain. Do not let it go. Please do not let it go. 
I think this is brilliant advice and so important that we don't let it go, that we hold to our boundaries and say that this is not acceptable. And we're going to go to the proper authorities, log the complaints, you know, follow up, make sure that something is happening because it's not acceptable that women are kicked out of their dream jobs or kicked out of the job that they want and because of other people. And these other people are hurting, I get that. But at the end of the day, they need help. I'm not saying throw the book at them like we say in the UK, but I'm saying people that are hurting need help as well. That's why they turn and become bullies themselves because of what they've experienced. But that's not the victim's fault at the end of the day because I've suffered for a very long time with that, not just with workplace bullying, bullying in general until I stood up for myself. You know, so what people need to realize is, you know, your feelings are valid. Don't let someone say, oh, don't worry about that. Oh, I'm only joking. No, your feelings are valid at the end of the day. And should and, you, and those people should be dealt with because that's not that should not be allowed to go on because it creates such an awful cycle that carries on. Be the person that breaks the cycle. Yes, I love that. Be the person that breaks the cycle. That's so important. Listeners, I would love to hear from you. Have you experienced workplace bullying? How did you handle it? What are you going through right now? And how can we help support you? Kalia, the next thing I want to talk about, and I think it plays into bullying, and but you mentioned as one of your defining moments was gaining a lot of weight, having uh, an addiction to food. And just before we go into that, I want to, sh to share you with you my story. Uh, when I was a child, I was um, very overweight. And I, growing through elementary school, primary school, uh, I was made fun of a lot and endlessly, really, about certain things, about eating, about my weight, about um, anything that could be picked apart was picked at. And that was really difficult for me. I would come home and I would cry to my mom. And my mom, in some ways, she was my safe place, but also it was really difficult because in my eyes, my mom was the most beautiful woman I had ever seen. And she, Truly, to this day, she's still a stunning woman. And I felt like I was so far removed from her. Like, how did she have this child that was so unworthy? And I remember a particular conversation that she had with me. And she told me that I was the same, Rachel. Until I was about 12 or 13, I was overweight. And then I went through a growth spurt. And she gave me kind of that ounce of hope that I needed to sort of stand up and fight against all the things that were happening. And I played basketball. And when I turned 13 or 14, all of a sudden in one year, I grew almost a foot and I like thinned out completely. It was just like I grew and then, you know, my weight was dispersed differently. And that was a moment that I was like, wow. But it also gave me perspective on bullying about weight. And then if you fast forward several more years, about 20, then I was preparing to get married to my husband and I had bought this dress and it was beautiful and I loved it. It made me feel like a princess. I felt so empowered and gorgeous in it. And then 
I bought it about seven months early. Month after month after that, I would gain a little bit more weight. I'd gain a little bit more weight. And I had no idea why. I went through every diet that you can imagine. Restrictive, eating a bunch, eating nothing, low carb, eating just everything under the sun to try to figure out why I was consistently gaining weight without explanation. And over about a period of six to seven months, I put on about 35 pounds. And unexplainably, it would be heartbreaking because every few weeks I'd have to go to the store and get new clothes because they didn't fit me. And it, it was it was a financial strain and it was a mental strain and an emotional strain because nothing ever fit me. And I didn't know why it was like, I had no control over my own body. And then I got sick and I was recurringly sick for a long period of time for about eight weeks. And finally my doctor was like, well, let's do an x-ray on your throat. See if there's a pocket that keeps getting you reoccurringly sick. During this x-ray, they found nodules on my thyroid. And I was diagnosed with hypothyroidism. And then everything came full circle. And I understood why I was gaining weight endlessly, regardless of my activity level, regardless of what I was consuming. And I said, okay, well, now what? Okay, you get put on levothyroxine. And my, my weight gain finally stopped. But going back to my wedding dresses, I had to have it altered last minute because I could no longer wear it. It no longer fit me in a span of seven months where you would think most people think, oh, there's a bunch of stress that you're probably dropping weight like crazy. And for me, my whole life was changing in the span of seven months because I had no idea what was happening to me. And I now from the outside, I haven't really been bullied about my weight or the weight gain that I had. And it's been a similar experience when I had my child that my thyroid was not monitored correctly. The things that I was supposed to be doing or taking, I was not taking because it wasn't being monitored correctly. And I, I only lost the weight of my child. That was it. Everything else still on me to, to this day. And so when we talk about weight, I think this is a very important topic, especially for women, because I have gone through the bullying stage. I've also gone through the I'm gaining weight endlessly and I have no idea why stage. And now I'm at the stage of this is this is me. And whether I like it or not, this is this is the body I've been given. And I have to learn to nurture and take care of and accept and promote and empower that body to make better decisions and more advantageous decisions in the future. And so I want to tell all of those that are listening is if you've been in through any of those stages that I have just mentioned is I am here for you. And I know that Kalia is here for you as well. And I yes. would love for her now to share her side of her story of how um, weight has impacted her life or she's been bullied about it or it's changed her perspective on things throughout her life. Um, the one thing I will say actually that comes is I, I don't visit my uncle and my cousin anymore because whenever I do go there, the first thing she says to me is, oh, you put on weight. And I've decided I don't want to be faced with that all the time because it, it just triggers me. It gets me in a really bad place. And then when I leave there, it takes me days to overcome that. 
Now, a couple of months ago, when I did have to visit for other reasons, she told me, oh, you put on a lot of weight. What's that all about? I said, I put on a lot of weight. I was a bit sarcastic, actually, because I eat a lot. That's why. She went, oh. I said, that's right. I eat a lot. Ever since mum died so suddenly, the stress got too much, so I eat a lot. That's why I put on weight. She went, oh. So that's why I made a commitment to myself never to comment on anyone's appearance. That, that's a massive trigger point for me. I don't, tr I don't comment on people's appearance because it affects me to that point where people constantly going on about me and my weight. Oh, look, at you put on weight. Oh, what would your mum say if she saw you now? She'd be disappointed, wouldn't she? And I just, I just, it's just, I just think, I don't know why people do it. They're thinking, well, because I know being unhealthy and overweight doesn't help the heart because I've got um, hereditary heart problems in the family. My mum, my dad, my grandparents. I get it. But I really don't want people commenting on my appearance. I find it, I find it highly disrespectful. And that is, that's how it's impacted me. I won't even enter a conversation with anyone after that. My sister said something to me a couple of weeks ago and I said, I don't want to fall out with you, my dear. But if we continue this conversation, I think we're going to fall out because you're going on about my appearance again. And, and I don't want that. I, I can, I'm going to be honest. I'm putting it out there. This is a total honesty post. I, will, I get triggered to the point that I just want to shout and scream. And that's how, how much it has triggered me. So, yeah. It's a massive trigger point that I get, can get very annoyed and upset about it. Well, That's why he upsets me. I think that you've touched on something that is a triggering point for many women and that collectively, constantly, we are told that our body is not enough. Whether that be from our friends, is that whether that be from magazines, rather that be on social media, rather that be on marketing, rather that be uh, watching TV and seeing what types of bodies they put in swimsuits for advertisements, all of that. It's constant. For women, this is one of my, I feel very passionate about this. This is one of my streams of lines of things I like to talk about is that women are constantly bombarded with all of this stuff of how they should look and what they should be and what kind of clothes they should wear, what kind of clothes they shouldn't wear because of their size. And it is so demeaning. Uh, it just takes the confidence right out of you. It's like a balloon and they just pop it. And it's just like, how am I supposed to survive in this society when nothing looks like me? Nothing fits like that girl in the magazine. Nothing. Everybody is telling me things constantly about how I should look. And this, I had a memory that just came up when you were talking was when I went on my honeymoon with my husband, we went to Bali. And in Bali shops, it's a one size fits all in almost every shop I went into. And I was devastated because I was not the one size that fit all. I didn't look like the people in Bali. I wasn't the same height. I didn't have the same uh, distribution of weight. And it was so heartbreaking. I just felt constantly like I didn't belong and this wasn't for me. And 
On the flip side of that, what I want to talk about now is being empowered, that when we own our body, when we own the decisions that we're making, whether they're good or bad, that affect our body, and when we accept that sometimes our physiology, aka my thyroid, is affecting the way I gain weight regardless of the things that I do, is it brings a broader picture to the topic of weight. Because we are so centralized on just if you eat the right things or if you do exercise, you're just going to be the right size, whatever that right size is. Yet, in reality, women know in their hearts that that isn't true. It could be up to hormones. It could be to your physiology. It could be addictions. It could be grief. It could be pain. That all of these things collectively work together to impact the way that somebody looks. And I 100% agree when you say to not comment on people's appearance, that it, my some of my friends in my family, they're always showing off, you know, big weight gains or big weight losses or talking about uh, their appearance. And I try so hard to not comment directly on that. I, you know, I'll comment on, oh, you look so confident or I guess that's still apparent appearance wise, but I mean like physically appearance wise. I yeah. like to not talk about that. And because I want them to know that their worth is not determined by the size of their body. Their worth is determined by how they feel about themselves, that they feel empowered, that they are living their very best lives because of the decisions that they have made and that they never associate the size of their body with how much they're worth. And I would like all, everybody that's listening in today, you need to say this mantra. My size does not determine my worth. My size does not determine my worth. My size does not determine my worth. Kalia, you've lit a fire in me. This is something I feel so passionate about. Well, because I subscribe to a magazine here in the United Kingdom called Happy Fall Magazine. And they put an article in a, a couple of days ago saying not to comment. Um, no, comments that do not talk about appearance. So there was one, it's on my Facebook feed actually, one that says, you have such a beautiful smile. The other one is, oh, you have such a big heart. Or the other one is, I love spending time with you. So using those comments as opposed to, hmm, you're not looking too good today. What's happened to your hair? Now, ladies and my dear Rachel, for many years, trigger point once again, my sister would say, what have you done to your hair? You look like you've been dragged through a bush backwards. This went on for years. And I kept my mouth closed. Then once she said to me, oh, good, look at your hair. You could, why don't you have it done every week like me? And by the way, my sister's been a businesswoman for over 30 years. So she has the funds to have it done every week. So I said to her, are you going to pay for it, my dear? She said, no. I said, well, will you kindly stop talking about my hair? You've gone on about it for years. Now is the time to stop. This conversation ends now. Never said another word. Talia, you are standing in your power. You're taking back your power, standing up for yourself and drawing the lines in the sand and saying, I am done with this. I'm not even going to entertain it anymore. It's done. Ended. Yes. Gonna, if you'd like to pay for it every week, you're very welcome to take me every week and pay for it. 
But obviously you're not going to do that. So if I was you, I would refrain from commenting about my hair. And that was in the nicest way. I won't, yeah, we'll leave it there. (laughs) Yes, but I love this. I love hearing about your empowered stories, about drawing those lines in the sand, because it's so important that this is an aspect that women develop, that they're able to say, this is my boundary, here I am, and I'm explaining it to you very clearly. And if you cross over that boundary, then these, this is what is going to happen. Either I'm going to have to withdraw away, I'm not going to be able to see you, we're you're not going to be able to see my children or we're not going to be able to see each other every day. And just drawing those lines in the sound, this in the sand is such an empowering move because it's like, I'm taking back control of my life. I'm saying no. And that is such an important message for all of those that are listening is that if you have been through bullying experiences, If you've been through experiences where you don't know who you are, where you've been through experiences where people are trying to mold you into something that you're not and you know it, this is your call out. This is your time to step out of those shadows and into your sunshine so that the world can see the light that you offer, so that you can be a beacon of hope for all of the others that have gone through those same experiences. Kalia, you've been such an inspiration to us today. And you, you really lit a fire in me. And I know that there's going to be so many that tune in and say yes to all of these things. And they're going to feel that community around them that's lifting them up and empowering them to step into their sunshine and be that beacon of hope. I have one more question for you, Kalia. Did you have something else? Yes, I was going to say a while ago, last year, I put a post out on my Facebook and I said to any healthcare professional out there that wants to sell me a potion, a shake, don't even bother going there. I don't want to know about your potions and your shakes and something that will help me lose weight because it all starts with the mindset. So if I was you, it's best that you stay away. Yes, I love it. (laughs) For the last question I have for you is, how has your journey rewriting these experiences impacted your outlook on life and your goals for the future? I just go for things now. I just go for it. Life is too short. So I just go full throttle ahead and do anything that makes me happy and grasp any opportunity that comes my way. Now, we're saying that, don't think that imposter syndrome doesn't seep in, because it does. But the difference is I don't let it affect me. I just tell it to be quiet. And you just run straight for the woods. And you just hop right in. I hop, I jump, I swim, I do what I need to do. But the voices are still there. And they say, oh, but are you good enough? Oh, what will they think? Oh, are you sure you're wearing the right dress? All those little gremlin voices. I just tell them to be quiet in the nicest possible way because I'm not listening to them anymore. Yes, I love it. I love it. I love it. We're not listening to those gremlins anymore. No. None of us. No, they can carry on talking, but I'll just ignore them. They can, and then eventually they'll get bored of themselves, won't they? Yes, and then they'll disappear. And then a new angel instead of a gremlin will come in and say, and they'll be the empowering angel and cheering you on angel and saying, yes, Talia, you're making the right choice. Yes, and that is happening. Yes. 
Uh, I want to thank you so much for joining in on the podcast today. It has been absolutely brilliant. And I know that you have inspired many. And I cannot wait to see where this leads. And I would love for you to share your links or ways that we can get in contact with you if you want to work more with Kalia. Yeah, my website is www.booksgalore.co.uk. You'll find everything on that website. Any way to get in touch with me as well. Um, and I want to say a massive thank you to you, my dear, for inviting me onto this amazing podcast, stepping into our sunshine, and let's shine around the world. Yes, let's end on that. We're shining our light on the world. Thank you so much for listening. Remember that each podcast is on Monday or Thursday. So tune into the next one and I can't wait to see you there.